Hello and welcome everybody. This is Wild Soaring Addiction, episode 41 for December 2012. I'm Ben Murphy. And I'm Joe David Solis. And this month we will be discussing Stormwatch 14, Grifter 14, Ravagers number 6, and Team 7 number 2, as well as some other Wildstorm appearances in the DCU New 52. We do want to remind everybody that we do spoil these issues, and now that we've moved up our recording, you better get on it, buy these issues, and read them. No more excuses. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's just jump right into the news. Um, as Joe always mentions, there's never any news until right before we record, and that's true again. We learned very recently that Midnighter and Apollo will be two of several characters featured in a one-shot in February called Young Romance, New 52 Valentine's Day special. Woo-woo! It's, it's kind of pricey. I think it was, what, seven ninety nine, Joe? Yeah, I think so, because it's got a lot. Of, I think it's 64 pages or something like that. And it has tear-out Valentine's cards, so I think that's what drove up the price, too. So. <laughs> oh, my. Perforated pages. That's going to cost... Peter Milligan is mentioned as one of the writers, so we assume he'll handle the Midnighter Apollo story, but no word yet on who will do the art for this particular story. So that's pretty cool. And thanks for the details on the uh, Valentine's Day cards. <laughs> that's epic. Yeah. So if you get any in the mail, you know you know who sent it. So <laughs> uh, Even though we're not going to be treating, treated to a Wildcats title yet that we know of, uh, February does feature the debut of another Wildstorm character. Uh, the solicit for Team 7, number 5, features the New 52 debut of Spartan. Hello. Awesome. Your favorite android. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it apparently features an appearance by Caitlin Fairchild, according to the cover, which shows her and her dad fighting Spartan. Uh, Stormwatch 17 confirms the hard times Will Conrad spoke of in our interview with him last month, which was uh, episode 40.5. If you didn't listen to it, go download it now. As the solicit promises the end of Stormwatch headquarters again and the death of a character. And finally, All-Star Western number 17 has a backup story that features Jenny Freedom and the Stormwatch of the 19th century. Hey, real, real quick, just something that I thought of. You know how we were talking about that we were so tired of that, uh, that horn? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you remember the alien that blew the horn in Superman number one? Well, apparently they finally fight him in the middle of that whole hell on earth crossover that they're doing. So, you know, it only took a year and a half. <laughs> but I, I'm sure Stormwatch has so much to do with it too. Yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. All right. Thanks. Thanks for that diversion. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, me or DC? <laughs> Both. Both. Uh, March sees the soft cover trade release of the DC Universe by Alan Moore, which which uh, features some of the Wildstorm work, original Voodoo miniseries one through four. If you guys have never read that, kind of, I mean, not hard to find, but not a big run, so you could see that in that trade. And Deathblow, Deathblow, I know I was going to do that. Deathblow by Blows number one through three, which was a really odd odd storyline so if you've never read that (laughs) go read that uh yeah (laughs) weird um this past month marked 20 years ago that brett booth was hired by jim lee as a thanks to jim brett posted a sweet grifter sketch on his blog and uh we'll link to that in the notes so be sure to check that out it's pretty epic 
Yeah, and I, I asked him about that. I was like, oh, God, why didn't they put you on to help save the Grifter title? And he's like, he's like, yeah, I don't think they wanted to name the old guard for uh, possible complaints of 90s art. <laughs> hey, man, awesome art is awesome art. Who cares what I know. era it, it harkens from? And then finally, once again, we want to thank all of the new Image Addiction listeners. Our downloads have almost tripled since we became part of the Image Addiction podcast network, so... Thank you very much for listening, and we hope that you guys are enjoying our crazy rantings about Wildstorm and what it's doing to the DCU. (laughs) Good or bad. Yep. (laughs) That's all the news. All right. Well, let's move on to the first uh, review of the night, which is Stormwatch number 14, which was released on November the 7th, uh, written by Peter Milligan with art and cover by Will Conrad. This um, continues the story of uh, bringing... Uh, the demon Etrigan to the modern-day DCU. As we remember last issue, uh, Midnighter tried to take him on, and he basically took Midnighter out pretty quick. So we open up with uh, you know the the demon with Apollo having Midnighter in his arms, and and the demon's pretty much just annoyed with this and wanting to to get uh, to get on with it. But apparently, uh, his time in uh, hibernation or whatever you want to call it uh, has made him weak which is funny considering that he didn't seem weak when he was beating the crap out of Midnighter <laughs> but maybe that was a little case of exerting yourself too much you know after you wake up from you know several hundred years slumber so he tries to or he actually <laughs> gets upset because he thinks that Apollo and, uh, thinks that it's funny what's happening to him so he uh, he tries to use his uh, hellfire attack on Apollo and um, Apollo, basically, this is where we finally get to see Apollo unleash a little bit, because I feel like he's held back. I was trying to think back the last time that we actually saw him, you know, do something pretty spectacular. when That was in the opening run when he was fighting off the incoming asteroids uh, coming to Earth. Do you remember any other thing besides that that was pretty epic that he did? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what I thought. <laughs> so he basically does, I don't even know what, uh, you know, it's funny he had been naming all his attacks up until now. I guess this is just his, uh, his you know, uh, rage attack. It basically just explodes with energy and, and unleashes, you know, the, uh, all this heat against the demon. And it even freaks out the demon and tells him, you know, that the the intensity of this heat reminds him of hell itself. So... So obviously he uh, more than got a rise out of Apollo by by killing his lover there. So, and they kind of go over here. Um, they touch on some of the events of uh, Demon Knights number zero, which I didn't read. But you said, did you say you read it? Yeah, I read it. It was mostly his uh, his dealing with uh, Lucifer and and how he he kind of broke away from him or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's kind of what they're describing here is that he he led a, a revolt against him, and then he uh, he basically you know instead of punishing him, he he let him be uh, be trapped by by another devil. He says, which was Merlin, who of course we know is Adam One, and then through there, you know, he was forced to fight with the demon knights. Which is funny. I, I'm. I guess the further along we go, the the more interested I am in going back and rereading Demonites now that they've they're about to have two trades under their belt. So I, I'm I'm tempted to go back 
just because it just seems more curious to me. Now, I don't remember him in Demonite seeming like he was uh, being forced to help, I guess. I don't know. Maybe I, I'm just not remembering it right. It has been over a year so. But yeah, so basically here they're they're getting into this battle that's destroying you know, the entire block around them and you know, Etrigan's enjoying the fact that, that not only is he hurting Apollo, but he's uh, killing all these innocents and all the while that this is happening, the uh, kid, uh, Lazarus, I think is what you said his name was, is in the uh, background somehow surviving this onslaught, <laughs> uh, feeling remorseful for it now that all these people are dying. He's the peanut gallery. <laughs> yeah, the roasted peanut gallery now. <laughs> anyway, so so yeah, so they continue their struggle, and in the middle of it, of course, you know, Midnighter's not dead, you know, but he's starting to come come back to consciousness, and this distracts Apollo long enough for Etrigan to get a good blast against him, but it doesn't really defeat Apollo. And uh, right when the um, when the demon's about to strike again, that's when the rest of the Stormwatch team arrives, and he. Um, makes an interesting comment that uh, the way the air tingles, I guess, right before the the doors appear, it reminds him of how uh, Lucifer himself actually uh, appears. So I thought that was an interesting way to to describe it. So here they, they're all about to, to merge against the, uh, I mean, to converge on the demon. And while they're doing that, Jack Hawksmore is talking to the uh, spirit of the city so that way he can get some information on what the demon is and what they can do to uh, to fight him and and that's when he realizes that um, that the demon knights existed and the demon was part of him and they basically became Stormwatch so he's like he's like this clown might be one of our oldest enemies <laughs> so that was a pretty quick and efficient way to give us the exposition about that meanwhile back in Avalon which is the where the Shadow Lords are uh, Harry Tanner shows up in his full Shadow Lord outfit, and um, uh, quickly convinces them that he's the the missing fourth Shadow Lord, and that uh, he's come to discuss with them that he believes that Stormwatch was a mistake. And so, uh, I thought it was interesting that uh, I w- I'd be curious to know of how he knew what the original Shadow Lord looked like. If that if he's basically looks exactly like him, you know, because <laughs> uh, the Shadow Lords just seem to have been full pretty quickly, in my opinion. Come on, guys, he has hair. Let's go. <laughs> I know, right? that should be the dead giveaway. <laughs> Which of these things doesn't belong here? <laughs> <laughs> back at the battle, uh, Apollo wants to get back in the fight, and and basically, uh, you know, Midnighter wants him to chill out because he's... He's used up too much energy against him, and he, you know, he's like trying to protect Midnighter, and Midnighter is like, you know, I'm really touched that you care about my welfare, but I don't hide behind anyone. <laughs> now that sounds like the old Midnighter. <laughs> and here in the middle of this, we have an interesting scene where, um, where the engineer tells Jenny to set up a um, a perimeter using her powers. Jenny reminds her that uh, she can do it, but the but the bubble that she wants her to create with dark radiation is going to give people in the area cancer. She keeps it up too long and, and um, engineers like, you know, basically just do it 
And and she's like, but babies could be born with 11 fingers and three eyes. And uh, she's like, just do it and stop looking at me as though I'm some kind of monster. Of course, at the time, she looks very much like a monster. So that was a nice little, nice little scene in showing that. And so in the middle of the city, you know, Jenny uh, throws up the the shield and the and the team starts their attack. And Midnighter gets in a couple of good shots on the on the demon now and. And they actually caused the demon to uh, to decide to retreat, and even Jenny uh, decides to go against Engineer's wishes and pull down the uh, the barrier because she doesn't want anybody to get sick. So, so here uh, the demon goes and possesses Lazarus, and Lazarus is able to sneak away. And um, in the middle of this, they all um, regroup. And uh, head back to the eye of the storm, but not before um, the engineer throws down an ultimatum because she sees that Midnighter and Apollo are, are you know starting to fall for each other, and she basically tells them that uh, she's prohibiting any close relation, personal relationships between agents, and if anything is you know anybody's found infringing the new regulation, they're reported to the Shadow Lords. <laughs> so, so it's just one of those. Yeah, everybody. Everybody's starting to uh, to notice that they've mentioned before that she's uh, become very mean spirited since she swallowed the uh, devolver from the hidden people. So it's interesting that they're keeping that going. And of course, we know that the the hidden people already uh, mentioned that they did that on purpose in order to infect her. So all this is just signs of what what they have planned. So it's cool that uh, that Peter Milligan still has that storyline going, even though. You know, here we are finally getting into a storyline that has been going on longer, which is Harry Tanner and and infiltrating the Shadow Lords. And uh, he shows up here at the inn in his Shadow Lord garb, and it's interesting the way he he uh, introduces himself. He says, "You know, we we Shadow Lords have been talking. It's decided Stormwatch needs a radical change of direction." <laughs> and I know somebody online mentioned they were like, "Yeah, it sounds like the editors were saying that, not just him." <laughs> So, which is kind of funny considering that that's what they're doing with the team in real life. But um, and here at the end, we have a, a little uh, a little last scene where uh, Apollo is basically asking Midnighter to to just give up Stormwatch and just leave with him. And uh, surprisingly, Midnighter tells him no that he feels that he needs Stormwatch now because they they help him keep his uh, craziness down. I guess you could say. And so Apollo basically says, uh, so I guess that means no then. <laughs> and we leave it at that. So I guess uh, what we thought might be a several-issue story arc ended up being just uh, two, because I don't think the next one has anything to do with the demons. So, um, But I guess this is just a way you know, to tie in the whole history and to bring him into the modern DCU, and so that way... You know, other writers can play with them too now. Besides uh, Demon Knight, so so overall, I really did like this issue. It's definitely a lot better than, than the last one. You know, because all, the last one was all set up, and but it was interesting that uh, if this is where they stop, or that was, I guess if it was just a two-parter, then that was kind of a surprise. But I don't know. What did you think, Ben? No, yeah, there was a lot of interesting things here. Um, I, you know, we've always talked from the very beginning of the DCU 52 that Stormwatch has been the strongest one 
the strongest title out of all the Wildstorm titles. However, you've picked Ravagers over the last two months, which is fine. <laughs> um, but what I really enjoy about Stormwatch that none of the other titles are doing is the consistency. So even if it's the smallest little detail, they continually bring it up and use that detail um, in further issues. You know that it's going to it's gonna play out. It's going to have some importance, whether it's the one issue uh, with the Neanderthals or the, the hidden people, you know, infecting... Um, infecting the engineer with a devolver and it, it it all ties together and and they're continuing it and that alone makes me love stormwatch more than all the other titles because grifter has jumped around so many times they've thrown so much crap away he's he's been more people than i know out of anybody and thank god it's going away <laughs> sorry um <laughs> It's okay. We still have him in Team Seven. <laughs> I know, and, and he's a lot better in Team Seven. Thank goodness. Yeah, uh, but I do want. There was a couple goofy things, but right at the end there, that last page, I felt like there was a change that happened there because it wasn't. Yeah, no, I mean, on the front page it says that the last few pages are a guy named Cliff Richards. So I, um, if I would have thought about that, I would have asked Will Conrad about that because it seems like they keep doing that to him to where they'll let him do, you know, the majority of the issue, but then they, they seem to let another artist finish up. And I don't know if it's just so he can move on to the next one or what to make sure that they're still on time. But it just seems odd that they keep doing that to him. They do that to, uh, we'll see that in Ravagers too, they keep doing that to Ian Churchill. Yeah, I didn't notice it throughout the whole issue. It was really just that last page, which makes me feel like they changed a lot of the dialogue as well. I don't know. We'll see. One one other thing I do want to point out about Stormwatch is, and this kind of is my segue into Grifter 14, is in the DCU 52, I feel like, this is just another example of the demonitorization of of that character. Like, he has just been getting tossed around the entire time since he's been part of the DCU. And Midnighter is a badass. Like, in the Wildstorm universe, you don't mess with Midnighter at all. And he just gets the crap kicked out of him on every single issue, I swear. It's ridiculous. Thoughts on that before I talk about some more of that in Grifter 14? <laughs> well, I mean, you could argue that it's a younger Midnighter. Um, but still, yeah, I mean, it's okay here in Stormwatch because, yeah, the demon is a supernatural creature. So, sure, I get So that. I can deal with that. But, yeah, get into Grifter and then we'll really talk about that. <laughs> All right. Grifter number 14 released on... November 14th, written by Rob Liefeld and Frank Thierry, with art by Marriott Michaels and cover by Scott Clark. Man, I hope that's the last time I have to say that. Uh, Rob Liefeld and Frank Thierry. Anyways. <laughs> it is, actually. The next, the last two issues are just Frank Thierry by himself. So, <laughs> I, I Honestly, man, am I going to struggle with this. I don't even know how to review this. Other than <laughs> I, I feel like I've read this issue before. Yeah. So, um, Grifter gets thrown into 
the middle of nowhere. And he literally says that, the middle of nowhere. Hold on a second, because I, I don't want to forget this point. Do you remember that last issue it said they were going to go to Paris? <laughs> oh, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> and I totally forgot about that when I did the written review. And I went back and looked, and it said, you know, next time, midnight in Paris. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure there's not a desert in the middle of Paris. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was in the solicit and on the cover of the cover that got unused, like wasn't used. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Uh, <laughs> so, well, no, that's a good point because I think it's funny because they threw him in the middle of nowhere, put a totally, I just feel like this was done on purpose so that there were no backgrounds needed because throughout the whole issue, it's a fight scene and all you get is Grifter and Midnighter. That's it. There's no backgrounds, nothing. Anyways, it was convenience, I think. I'm like, oh, they didn't have to draw Paris. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they they get to draw a little bit of Tokyo later, but you can kind of see how he cheats with that one. So, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, continue. <laughs> so anyways, the eye of the storm kicks him into a desert. Uh, I think he might even say which desert, but does it really matter at this point? Yes. Which I think would be weird because anybody reading Stormwatch is going, man, I wish I could hear Charlie. And then the people reading Grifter go, what the heck is this extra bubble? Where is it coming from? Anyways. Um, And then we go to a nice double page spread of Midnighter getting uh, teleported and kicking Grifter in the back. That's what he's doing, right? Because... The next panel on the third page so shows Midnighter jumping towards Grifter, head and hands first, and then Grifter grabs the sole of Midnighter's boot. Now, I know this was brought up in <laughs> in Clark's bar in the forums, but how's that happen? And, wait, one more panel later, Grifter has one of his phasers from the 90s era Wildstorm. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, that's not even his one of his vads. That's more akin to what he had in the cartoon. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> All right, and then we have a lot of rolling down s- sand dunes and and punchings and and teleportations and horribly drawn engineer and yeah. Wow, this is crazy. So they teleport into the ocean, and then we switch over to Stormwatch's Eye of the Storm. I'm really doing more justice to this review than need be, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're pretty much describing exactly what's happening, so I mean... <laughs> I know, but this should be like a three-minute review. I apologize, anybody, for having to listen through this. Uh, anyways, the Eye of the Storm, uh, the Engineer and the Apollo are going, Hey, what's happening to Midnighter? Oh my gosh! Um, and they figure out that, uh, you know, Grifter, uh, put a virus in the eye of the storm. So Charlie's freaking out and he keeps teleporting both of them all over the place and he can't figure it out anyway. So they're in the ocean, the shark's going after them. Oh, they're about to be eaten. It's a shark week, as I think he mentions in teleport. So now they're about to be hit by a train. Oh no. <laughs> and they both jump off. Um, you know, kicking and 
punching each other as they're going all over the place. Even in the water, they were kicking and punching each other. Then they teleport again, and then they drop into Tokyo, and they land on a car, or actually a car hits Midnighter, um, and they're fighting in the streets of Tokyo and getting a lot of press and all that stuff. And, man, I'm just flipping pages, and then there's uh, Engineer and Apollo uh, trying to explain what's going on here, and Midnighter gets shot by... Grifter with a standard uh, Glock, it looks like. And finally, Charlie gets it and he purges the virus and he can keep them from teleporting all, all sorts of crazy places. And uh, Apollo is so excited to get Midnighter back and to put a beat down on Grifter. The Eye of the Storm, Charlie uh, teleports Midnighter back into Apollo's arms and... Uh, Grifter gets teleported somewhere else, and Apollo's kind of ticked about that because he wanted to give him a beatdown. But uh, where does uh, Grifter get sent to? None other than uh, Belle Reve High Security Prison, uh, headquarters of the Suicide Squad. And which is funny because uh, this is Amanda Waller, right? Yeah, yeah, it's her. She, yeah, she's talking to Deadshot, and she's talking about their their headquarters being breached. And all of a sudden, Grifter gets uh, teleported right into her presence. And, you know, the whole time she's talking about them being breached, you're, you're thinking that it's Midnight or it's Grifter. But obviously it's somebody else because Grifter just appeared in front of them. So that's interesting. And Grifter's pointing a gun right at Amanda. And uh, Deadshot, I don't know. You would think that he would be pointing right towards Grifter. But he's kind of like looking at Amanda like, hey, what, what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> So the next issue is Grifter versus the Suicide Squad. Oh, Grifter. Oh, Grifter. <laughs> Man, you should... I mean, honestly, uh, they had they had gold on their hands, and it just... Yeah, mm -hmm. So sad. I'm sorry, <laughs> Joe. He was my favorite, too. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what to say anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this whole thing about him beating... Up Midnighter is just, and he tries to justify it in his inner monologue. Like, well, I'm stronger than we were last time we met, and mm -hmm. whatever, dude. I mean, <laughs> yeah, right now the, I'm making a hand motion. You can imagine. <laughs> the only thing person who come close of the same argument would be Superboy because of his, you know, telekinetic powers. So sure, you know, if if, and this is a big if. <laughs> If you explain to me that Grifter is using his powers the same way Superboy does, where he basically creates a force field around himself, and that's you know why his powers are not the same as Superman's, there, then maybe. <laughs> but that's stretching it, I think. Yeah, I think you're grasping at straws now. <laughs> I was, I was uh, waiting for Grifter to get killed, much like I, you know, in Captain Adam Armageddon. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, if only it could be that clean and easy. <laughs> and that one I knew was coming too. I just you could just feel it when you read that one. <laughs> I remember thinking to myself, "Shut up, Grifter! Shut up!" <laughs> so anyway, oh well, he's still in Team Seven, which we'll get to here in a minute. But let's just uh, move on. <laughs> Thank you. To uh, to a, a comic that I actually am enjoying, <laughs> which is uh, Ravagers number six, 
which was also released on November 14th, written by Howard Mackey with art by Ian Churchill and cover by Ken Lashley. And I uh, forgot to put in the notes, but we also have artist Tyler Kirkham helping as well. And this is one of the few times that I actually didn't mind somebody coming in and helping um, Ian Churchill because Tyler Kirkham's art is pretty similar to his. So I I, I could see some areas where, where it changed over, but it wasn't a, a huge change. But we'll we'll get to that here later. No, not jarring like uh, we saw in Stormwatch. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, speaking of Superboy, according to this issue, he takes command, which that's what the cover says. But uh, I don't know. I, I didn't really see that in the issue. <laughs> no. Nope. Whatever. They're trying to. They're, they're they're trying to help this book. That's why they're putting him over here because this book is not doing horrible, but I don't think it's doing as well as they wanted it to. So, but. One thing I found surprising about this issue is that um, it did seem to be new reader friendly because, uh, you know, when we start off, they're in the middle of a training session and um, uh, Niles Calder is um, narrating and, you know, he goes over each of their names and he pits them against some uh, some virtual dinosaurs, which is always fun. <laughs> As he's going through and watching them fight, uh, apparently he's talking to somebody about them, and he's reviewing each of their powers. Pretty classic storytelling in that sense. You know, you've got a, a good action scene with somebody narrating over and basically giving you all the exposition about the characters that you need. So when they finish the simulation, uh, he wants them to do it again because basically they, they failed in the simulation. The only reason that they got anything done in it was because Superboy helped. But he wants them, you know, to learn how to function without him because he knows a Superboy's not going to stick around. So Caitlin Fairchild steps up for the group and tells them that they're done and that she's taken them out and, you know, into the real world for a bit to chill out because he's been pushing them too hard. And, um, uh, you know, he disagrees, but she takes them anyway. After they leave, we find that, um, that Niles was talking to a hologram of uh, Tim Drake, a.k.a. Red Robin from the Teen Titans, and he's basically telling them that, you know, that uh, that's he agrees with having Superboy there for now, because um, as far as he understands, you know, Superboy, and I may be mixing up my issues, because uh, Ravagers comes out in Legion Lost 2, but somewhere in one of these two issues, somebody mentions that Superboy was originally created by Harvest as a fail-safe for the Ravagers. Do you remember that? Yeah, and he mentioned it in this issue, so we'll see. I, I didn't get to read Legion Lost, so... Oh, okay. But then we move on to something that that really... This usually sells uh, a superhero issue for me. I love when superheroes go out in public and try to do something normal. <laughs> I don't know what it is about that. Ever since an issue of X-Men that I read during Jim Lee's run where they it's just... Uh, no, I'm sorry. It's not even during that time. Oh, yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's when the the team is playing basketball. <laughs> There's just something about that that has always appealed to me. I love it when they do that, you know. And so here, basically, she takes them out uh, on Venice Beach in California, and <laughs> I love that uh, that they they put Ridge in a uh, just like a t-shirt and in uh, pants and a like a cowboy hat. <laughs> and of course, somewhere in here, I think Fairchild explains that they're being cloaked by technology, so not everybody was going to freak out by seeing him or Beast Boy 
because uh, you know Terax looks pretty good. So, <laughs> and Thunder, of course, you can cover him, cover up his uh, his chest device. And uh, one cool thing I thought here that um, uh, I don't think I've seen them do this in Superboy's comic, but they put him in his old pre fifty two costume. Did you notice that? Yeah, I saw this shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Which I basically is yes, we say it's his costume, but that's what it used to be, just the black T shirt with the red ass and then jeans. <laughs> so I thought that was a great little nod to the to the pre fifty two. You know, as the as the Ravagers they're told to basically go have fun and it's funny because they don't really know how to do that. And while they're out doing their thing, Birdchild's talking with Superboy and asking, you know, why is he hanging around? And he's talking about that, you know, he feels like they're the only family he's known right now. And, and unfortunately, she bursts his bubble by telling him, well, you realize you can't stay because <laughs> they don't trust you. So that was kind of a kind of a sad thing, <laughs> you know. But he'll get to know his super, his super family in the uh, Hell on Earth crossover that's happening in his title right now. So <laughs> what a way to get to know your family, right? <laughs> But yeah, there's a, and it's funny. There's one little allusion to the whole Rot World uh, crossover going on because I know that they mentioned that Beast Boy was going to be affected by it. But the only thing that happens here is in the middle of of everything, all of a sudden his his arm starts turning, almost looks like Swamp Thing for a second, but then it goes back to normal. And then there's this big editorial blurb that says, "For answer, see recent issues of Animal Man and Swamp Thing." <laughs> so, kind of a. Kind of a drive-by promotion for that crossover, I thought. Yep. But then, of course, their fun gets interrupted by Niles calling them back and telling them that he has a mission for them. And you know, one of the things that I appreciate about Ian Churchill is that he he's really good at at doing uh, just designs in general. Because you know, not only do I love his costume designs, but I loved all his just all the clothes he put him in. You know. And even when we get back here, I love the uh, the goggles that uh, Fairchild's wearing all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. And I love that it keeps her, her purple and green color scheme going. I have a feeling he was having a blast with this issue. I I just, that that little two, two and a half page spread, or not spread, but, you know, they're out on the town. It just really made me feel like it was Gen 13 again. The really early days of Gen 13 when they used to just slack off all the time and relax and go out and party. Like That's what that felt like. And it, it was good. You know, these are all young kids. So that was really cool to see. And yeah, I'm sure he had a blast <laughs> um, drawing them in, in normal clothes. That was cool. Yeah, and no, like I said, I always appreciate when they when they do that in the story. So. And, you know, so far with this story, it's basically written in three acts. It's like the first act was the training, the second act was them on the town, and then the third act is them going on this mission to apparently go after some metahuman that, uh, that apparently nowhere is going to go after as well. So they uh, land in a cemetery <laughs> in Brooklyn, New York, and they all of a sudden get attacked by two characters that I never thought we'd see again. <laughs> Which is from the very first issue, which is uh, Windshear and Bright Eyes, who uh, both thought were dead from the first issue. Uh, and I really thought they were, because they just seemed like cannon fodder. They just seemed like, like they were created to show how um, dangerous Nowhere really was. But I guess uh should have known better that they weren't going to waste two characters, you know, even if they were, uh, you know, kind of B-list characters. <laughs> But uh, but they do get an upgrade here, so they're not as uh, crappy as they were, I guess. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> how's, how's uh, Bright Eyes' suit stay on? That's crazy. 
<laughs> with lots of tape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they show up and and they're um, you know they engage in battle here, and this is where the art changes to Tyler Kirkham, and the only real indication of that is it's a little bit simpler than in Churchill's, and for whatever reason he drew Windshear a little bit different. Um, but I mean, it wasn't jarring. I still, I still liked it, and you know, it's it's cool to to see these two, you know, powered up, and and they, of course, they get in a, a decent fight here. And, and the interesting part of this fight is where Superboy decides to step in, but Caitlin stops him and uh, tells him to let it play out, which I thought was interesting that she decided to do that. Um, I guess she obviously knew that these two were not that much of a threat because <laughs> as much as she's tried to mother the Ravagers for her to decide to just let them go on their own for a, a bit, I thought it was very interesting. So so uh, the Ravagers do uh, take out Windshear and Bright Eyes and so they go and try to uh, see if they can, I guess, restrain him or whatever and Ridge is uh, concerned because he says, you know, Rookie Ravagers on their first mission, and then he's interrupted by Warblade and uh, Rose Wilson, who remind him that, yeah, they're never alone <laughs> when they go out on a mission. So so we get the return of Warblade and Rose Wilson, who are going to be featured in the next issue. So, so all in all, I, I gave this one the highest rating of the month. You know, this was my favorite. I just... I just uh, enjoy the the heck out of it. It's just it's just so much about it that's that's uh, like traditional superhero that it's funny. You would think that they're getting that elsewhere, but maybe because this is different and you know slightly different characters. Like we've talked about many times, that Ravagers is a book that you know is it's probably one of the more unique books that exists in the New Fifty Two, and so I'm hoping that uh, people will give it a chance. I mean, if you haven't yet and you've been curious this is a great place to jump on um it really is so what did you think ben i concur sir (laughs) no no, it was a lot of fun like i said you know any anything that makes you feel that nostalgia for gen 13 and and that that little bit of kid freedom that they had for a second there before it got serious again because you know the last couple issues were really heavy and you know they've been really hitting it hard about like what this would really do to you if you're a teenager and you got, you know, torn away from everything that you know and, and had to be like, you know, kind of like slaves and tortured and and mind altered and everything like that. There was a little break there. It was a good thing. And we saw that a little bit um, in an issue or two before when they uh, <laughs> stripped down and, you know, skinny dipped. But <laughs> other than that, um, no, it was, it was a great issue. They were totally near the beach. They could have done it again. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what's making this uh, title fun. So I know it's uh, not been you know the greatest in numbers, so hopefully people will start to pick it up now that there's uh, more little crossovers like that with uh, Animal Man and Legion Lost soon and Superboy. Hey, what else can they do to... <laughs> help it out i don't know um but an awesome issue yeah i i can see how you gave this the uh title of the month for sure so let's uh finish this off with uh team seven number two which was released on november 14th written by justin jordan and art by jesus marino and cover by tyler kirkham hey we know him and variant cover by (laughs) brett booth (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, actually, I forgot to change that. I'm sorry. It's not Jesus Marino. It's uh, Julius Gopez. Oh, uh, yeah, you're one. right. Yeah. He's actually the guy who, for those of you who've listened to us for a while, he did the Wetworks Mutations one-shot, uh, one of the last Wildstorm books before they closed the doors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Sorry. I, I guess just to start out, First of all, you're always going to have to help me with this title because I'm not that strong on all these characters. I'm sorry. I know that they're uh, they're they're very much 52 canon, but yeah, there's still a lot of new stuff to me. But what I thought was funny at the cover of this issue, it says Canary and Slade Battle the Eclipsed. Which, yeah. <laughs> I think that's to help sell this <laughs> book. <laughs> yes. Well, you know what? The variant cover by Brett Booth, which shows. Uh, her and her husband, I think it says um, Kurt uh, and D- uh, Dinah, and then it says like Lance battle or something like that. I forgot. <laughs> I'll look it up here while you're reviewing, but I just thought it was funny how they're pushing that. You know? Anywho, so they're <laughs> on this floating Pokeball, poke, Pokemon ball. <laughs> It's a prison, just so you know. We're we're uh, we're setting the scene here. Don't forget. Um, and they, you know, just opened that door, and we're about to get rushed by the horde of those uh, eclipsed uh, vampire people with the awesome half blue face and the sh- sharp pointy teeth. Uh, <laughs> and it's basically a firing squad here, so they're all kind of lined up. And <laughs> wait, 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 wait! What? Before we get too far off, here it is. It, it shows Kurt and her, and it says before and after the team of Black Canary and Lance, <laughs> because he doesn't have a code name because he's supposed to be dead in the New Fifty Two. <laughs> I. <laughs> anyway, continue. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. So, anyways, the, they're kind of firing in the air. I'm not really sure why, because because <laughs> obviously they're coming straight at them. So that's weird, but hey, we'll have it. <laughs> um, it's a perspective shot. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh huh. I know how perspective works. Sure. <laughs> Cameras on the floor. I got it. Sure. Maybe. Um, <laughs> and uh, so yeah, lots of uh, red paint and, and blood packets galore, and uh, Bronson just comes bull rushing right into the horde, so to speak, and uh, he starts, uh, you know, punching and kicking, and and everybody's kind of shooting, and it's kind of fun, and Fairchild's getting his quips in, and Lance and uh, uh, Dinah right go to open a door, and she's working on the code, and everybody else is kind of kicking ass, especially Bronson, who's kind of <laughs> doing it all for him, because everybody else is kind of just hanging out, and uh, they're getting nervous, and they're taking too long to open the door, and all of a sudden, she gets it open, and she's like, all right, let's go, and Bronson fires a jetpack and kind of uh, lights all the rest of the horde on fire and goes straight through the door and leads the charge, so to speak, and flies past everybody. And even Grifter's like, uh, what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) Which was an awesome yet hilarious scene. (laughs) So obviously Bronson doesn't exactly know how to use his Iron Man costume quite yet. Which makes me feel like this should really just be Fuji. Because he's like a big bulked up mech version of of himself. Anyways, (laughs) some pretty cool shots, overhead shots as they uh, 
get to see the trail that he left with his uh, smoke and uh, they're walking down the hall away from the horde that they just decimated and uh, Bronson's kind of checking seeing if he has a uh, concussion or whatever <laughs> kind of woozy after uh, he I guess stopped himself with the nearest wall um, <laughs> and Lance helps him out a little bit and uh, yeah they kind of chill out for a second as Amanda regroups and tries to figure out what's going on and, and where they're going. And uh, she realizes that they can't really communicate out of here, out of the prison. And uh, Bronson decides to, well, I don't know if he decides or is told to, but he cuts a hole in the floor and goes down a level. And instantly they they have terminal access, so I guess they knew where they were going. She must Amanda must have a map on that crazy... Uh, wristwatch slap bracelet uh computer she's got going on there it, it's her iMac dude <laughs> fancy <laughs> all we're missing is the apple logo <laughs> so, so dinah pulls up some uh videos of uh what's his name alex montez uh, it doesn't look like a montez to me anyways uh <laughs> sorry <laughs> um, so he's a doctor at Arkham Asylum and he uh, shows a video of him testing a, a serum on a patient and this patient is uh, Akara so they say it several times but uh, obviously I'm not paying attention uh, <laughs> <laughs> you did so, say you needed help with the title so I'm trying to help <laughs> <laughs> thank you so Alex Alex is saying that the serum uh, helps Helps whatever uh, psychosis, you know, it helps them become normal, let's just say. Um, so he injects Akara, and he actually turns into an eclipsed, so to speak, and decides to just start rampaging and killing. So he pulls himself off of the uh, table that he was strapped down onto. So that was the little video clip that we got to see. Uh, team discussion, team discussion, innocent people killed, what's going on, such and such. Is this where they they figure out that they're not going to the place that they realized that they thought they were going to at first? Uh, no, not yet. A little bit. Oh, okay. Yeah, because this is the first time she mentions Gamora. Yes. So right at the end of this long discussion, discussion, videotape review... Um, I feel like they're the refs, the the replacement refs for the NFL for a second there. <laughs> um, <laughs> she does talk about Akara's father was the uh, Gamora National who came to the uh, U.S. after Kaizen, the elder, started losing his uh, his marbles. So I guess the elder Kaizen went insane, which is slightly different than what we know happened before the uh Younger Kaizen uh, rose up and took power over Gamora. Hey, nice shot of the Pokemon ball. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different color, too. <laughs> <laughs> eh, maybe it looked too similar last time and they listened to us. Who knows? Still, yeah. Still a Pokemon ball. Anyways, <laughs> so we jump over to a medical facility, which is obviously in there. And we don't see who's talking, but we pretty much know who this is. Um, and there's a lab rat there kind of doing this uh, character's bidding, um, holding them hostage, obviously, and pretty much says, hey, do what I tell you or I'll, you know, no matter what, you're dead. So just do what I tell you, basically. 
What's he telling him to do right there? I forget. Uh, he was um, trying to get him to replicate the formula, I think. Oh, uh, yeah, because that was a one-time shot, I guess, that, that turned all these uh, these uh, prisoners into the Eclipse, I guess. Yeah, because I remember there was a concern that uh, when the Team 7 figures it out, they're like, well, aren't we going to get infected? And I'm like, no, well, it's probably dissipated by now. Yeah, so that's that's the next scene here. So we get another team shot here, and Lance starts asking, where are we headed? And they thought, and this is where they realized, they thought they were heading to Gamora, um, but then they realized that they're actually heading somewhere else, which was, what, the Sieged Island or something like that? S- Sentinel Island. Sentinel Island, thank you, sorry. And real quick while I'm thinking about it, to me this was a very weird choice to go through the trouble of talking about Kaizen Gamora and Gamora Island, and then like, oh, no, wait, we're not going there. <laughs> that wasn't the only so. time that they mentioned that, though. Was, didn't that happen in Zero Issue or Issue Number 1 as well? They, it mm-hmm. came up? The only other time they've mentioned it was in the solicit to Number 1, which, of course, Number 1 had nothing to do with that. And then they mentioned it here. So, I don't know, that could be one of those weird changing editorial decisions at the last minute um just just something i thought of because it just it just seemed really weird (laughs) no no you're right i mean why bother you know but hey here's hoping that eventually they'll get there because that is a world that i think everybody would love to see i mean there was so much in the original wildstorm universe with the gamora and the kaizen family and Oh, please bring back Cybernary. She was awesome. <laughs> Everything about that that little niche in the uh, universe would be epic. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Horde still exists. There's still more prisoners that have been eclipsed, and they're trying to tear through the ductwork and, and get to uh, our uh, heroes, so to speak. Our heroes that have no problem mowing anybody down. Um, <laughs> and they're looking around. They don't know... You know, they would think that they would have been able to burst through by now. And then, well, they do. And they're coming from the ceiling. And they weren't expecting that. So, it kind of got the drop on them. And actually, somebody gets slashed here. Who is that uh, fodder? <laughs> <laughs> no, him. I don't remember. <laughs> See? Because <laughs> they, they've done well in this issue to promote Bronson. So, he's the... He he's the nearer one that I've really come to know, but that one, yeah, you're gonna have to just keep going, and I'll see if uh, if I can find it. Speaking of fodder, it's funny because Dinah right here, she's the one with the 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 monologue that's kind of speaking throughout. Last time it was Lynch, um, and when that happens, she goes, "I think we're all expendable." Duh. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, and then they make their way into uh, the facility, the uh, medical facility, and they run across uh, Akara, and he is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't take them very long to uh, figure out what to do, and hey, guess what? He gets shot a gajillion times. They they pretty much lay it lay it out there and and kill him, right? Oh no, they don't because all the bullets are sitting at his feet because he's freaking invincible. <laughs> <laughs> and Slade takes a a shot at him with a, his blade and his blade snaps in about five different pieces. He's like, "Oh, not good." So, 
he gets his ass kicked as well. And <laughs> pretty much this guy is one tough mofo. Until Bronson, our Iron Man hero, grabs a hold of his shoulder and says, Hey, Bucko, not on my watch. And knocks him. <laughs> what? Oh, by the way, it's Higgins. I found it. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I knew they said his name somewhere in here. <laughs> well, so, hey, Higgins got slashed. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Well, well, he seems to be all right because he's screaming out for Amanda again mm-hmm. uh, as, as Bronson almost loses power. Hmm, convenient. <laughs> and uh, Amanda's able to figure out some light pattern all of a sudden. Man, she's handy. She's handy with the tech, I tell you. And uh, <laughs> they all cover up their eyes, and she, you know, lifts it over her head, and and this light pulse apparently, f- you know, turns them all back normal, all of the uh, the eclipsed and everything. And he's not the Akara's not too happy about that. But anyways, <laughs> Fairchild goes a little rogue here and realizes that uh, Bronson's fuel cell is a. Uh, vulnerable to internal puncture and shoots him and causes him to explode. What the heck? And pretty much takes out a car at the same time. Not before the doctor, I guess, who was there in the lab realizes that they're not going to Gamora, even though they already realized that. And uh, they realize that they're going to Sentinel Island and there's a prison there. Made of the heart of a dead star. Man, how's that happen? On Earth, no <laughs> less. And then we realized that we're going to be... Uh, that that Akara was nothing compared to a Eclipso himself. So we'll see what goes on after that. Because it says that it's right from the pages of Red Hood. Essence joins the fight against Eclipso. Give me a give me a little background on that, if you have any. Uh, Essence is a character. She's this female character that uh, came out in, in Red Hood. Um, she's kind of like, uh, do you know Katana? Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's kind of like her, except she's literally got this ability to like turn into mist and stuff, is what I remember, if I remember correctly. And I think she's on the cover to Team 7 number 3. Uh, she's fighting Deathstroke. Interesting. So that's the pretty basic one on one about her that I know. Cool. Well, it was a fun issue. That's <laughs> I mean I'm still it's gonna take me a while to get used to this title. I mean there's a lot of characters that I'm just not that familiar with, but it's it's fun. It's it's written really well and, and the pacing's great, so I'm excited to see where it keeps going. I wish it was going to Gamora, but eh, we'll see. I, I know that you know there's there's things ahead for this title, so hopefully they they don't screw with it too much like they did Grifter. <laughs> yeah, because I'm just glancing through the solicits now that we're talking, but yeah, she shows up next, and she's fighting Deathstroke on the cover, and then you know after that it seems that in issue four we finally uh, face Eclipso himself. So so the focuses according to the list seem to be him and Deathstroke for some reason so but uh, but yeah no this is this is the issue i wanted after 0 and you know definitely wanted this one after number 1 you know <laughs> i was fine with the way that um, the black canary was narrating this issue it wasn't overpowering or anything like that so 
it was uh, it was good. Yeah, this one was just action packed. It was fun. I mean, they moved the story along. They 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 dealt with all the eclipsed and they brought back the guy you know who from issue zero that Amanda Waller stopped from blowing up the stadium, which I thought was kind of interesting that it just happened to be him. So, so yeah, I mean, uh, although this is another, I mean, it's a different artist. It's Julius Gopez. And I think this is another example of when, you know, a colorist changes how an artist looks, because I remember really liking Wetworks mutations, and this one wasn't bad. There's some scenes that are a lot better than others, but it it just looks so much different than the way his art looked in in Wetworks. So, yeah, but it couldn't it couldn't look like Wetworks. I mean, this had a tone from issue zero and issue one that they had to maintain. So, yeah, it, it was was interesting, but it was it wasn't bad at all. I I liked the art in this issue, so nothing nothing to really complain about it, but nothing that really stood out as well. Yeah. I mean, even the guy, you know, who keeps showing up doing these covers, you know, Kane Lashley, I'd love to see his interiors because um, I've liked what I've seen on his covers so far. So that's the one thing I just think this title needs. It just needs a good artist to, to draw, you know, people in to try because I know that's the one thing that uh, most people seem to be enjoying it. I mean, they're not like blown away by it, but nobody really has too much negative to say other than the art. That's the one thing that uh, they keep coming back to. Here in issue five, we're going to get uh, a new... I don't know if he's the permanent new artist, but it's an artist named Pascal uh, Alexi, I think is how you say his last name. It's the one... Because the cover, uh, which shows Spartan, is done by Gary Frank, which I wish <laughs> he would draw the interiors. Uh, you know who I'm talking about, right? Uh, I'm a, No, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not really paying attention <laughs> Uh, Gary Frank, let's see, who, where would you know him from? Are you following Justice League still? No, I'm not. Okay, because he did the Shazam backup. That's his most recent work. Yeah, look him up. He's he's really good, and he's the one who did the cover that you saw with Spartan. So, I mean, oh, okay. his, his art is amazing, and I, I wish he would do the interiors to Team 7. <laughs> I wish he'd do the interiors to anything. But, um... Uh, but yeah, I know he his main focus right now was doing the Shazam backups in Justice League. But yeah, I mean this this definitely was a, a step forward. I thought you know after like I said, we basically got the same issue twice with zero and one. <laughs> but uh, it was fine. So as long as we you know the next one, hopefully you know obviously we're going to get some good action. I hope between Deathstroke and Essence because uh, she's a pretty cool character and she should uh, provide some challenge for them. So. So yeah, um, can't really say anything else about the title other than hope that the new artist in number five is is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. So other than that, we did have a lot of uh, other titles that um, kind of either tied in or mentioned other Wildstorm characters. Uh, the first one, which uh, this is the first month where we're actually kind of be. We're not really behind, but because of our scheduling, it's funny that we're talking about stuff. It's it's uh it's mid November, but here we're talking about stuff that came out at the end of October. <laughs> which uh, on October twenty fourth, we had I Vampire number thirteen come out, which was uh, supposed to be the continuation from number twelve, where Stormwatch showed up. 
And of course, we had the interruption of the zero issue month. And so we start issue 13 with a quick throwaway panel of Stormwatch, and then they just jump forward in time. <laughs> yep. Man, did that suck. <laughs> so I was like, really? What was the point of bringing Stormwatch in then? I mean, really, that had to have been an editorial thing because there was no point to it at all. Not, you know, they really, whatsoever. I don't really remember them affecting that big battle at the end. You know, I don't know. That was just that was very frustrating because you could tell that the writer was like, "Okay, I did, I did what y'all said. I put him in. I let me get him out." You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, I was pretty bummed out about that as well. So I didn't even pick up the issue when I flipped through it. When, after you tell me, I was like, "Forget it. This is not, not worth it." Nope. The one that I did pick up uh, that I actually, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I, I actually am, have enjoyed the Savage Hawkman issues that we've picked up because Pike has been in them. Uh, this one also came out on the 24th of October, and it was number 13, and uh, it finished up the story of... Uh, 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 what is her name? <laughs> I don't know, the female Hawk lady coming down and you know <laughs> wanting to go after Carter Hall, and, and Pike was her bounty hunter, basically, and so they have a nice little resolution to that that, that leads into the Hawkman... Uh, wanted crossover, which I can't believe they're going to have me follow that just because Pike's in it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm not following the whole thing because I just that was part, or I think that's part one. Part two is in Green Arrow, and there was nothing in there. Uh, tank, thanks to Titan Throp at uh, Clark's Bar for confirming that with, for me because I forgot to look at it in my shop. So I'll be following anything that has him in it uh, for now. I also wanted to mention on November the 7th, Animal Man number 14, which is part of the Rot World crossover we mentioned earlier. There are rotted versions of Hawk, Dove, Grifter, Deathstroke, and Hawkman all in this issue, and there are believed to be a jab back at Liefeld for attacking Scott Snyder on his way out of DC. <laughs> so that's kind of funny that... Uh, I can't believe Liefeld would attack Scott Snyder. He's like their golden boy right now. He's like their new Grant Morrison. <laughs> this issue was so worth picking up just to just look at that and just be like, huh. <laughs> oh, you did pick it up? <laughs> oh, yeah, it was epic. I was like, oh, this is awesome. Well, I did get the first Animal Man trade and the first Swamp Thing trade. And I, I got to say, those titles are awesome. I can't wait to pick up the second trades of both of them. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, they really are. I'm glad you. I'm glad you picked them up. Um, I, I just saw this online, so that's why I didn't pick up the issues because I figured it's just that one scene. But uh, so we had that, and then on the 14th, uh, we had Legion Lost number 14, which that series is ending here soon. So these last three issues are going to have Ravagers in each of them. This one basically had to accept that we're thrown in the middle of this, and it's kind of appropriate because. That's what happens to the Ravagers in this issue is that, you know, Legion Lost is fighting, I don't know, this guy, this alien guy on a, like, giant dragon thing who all of a sudden Harvest and his minions take interest in. And so they join the fight. And and so Legion Lost and Harvest, you know, inadvertently join forces. And, you know, Warblade tags along. No telling where Rose Wilson is. Because apparently this takes place after next month's Ravagers number seven, which I thought was interesting. So the Ravagers uh, come in to help with Superboy and Harvest, and they're fighting all these robots, and then 
at the very end, there's some city or something that they unearth, and one of the Legion Lost guys is very uh, distraught about this and telling everybody they're going to die, and that's how the issue ends on the cliffhanger. <laughs> so, and it's funny because the the person doing the art is Pete Woods, and I think he did some Wildstorm stuff. The last thing I remember him doing was that uh, Backlash uh, short story in World's End where he ran through the prison. <laughs> So, so that that was interesting, and it's I mean it's cool that we got to get more Ravagers this month, and and the last thing was uh, which is actually also on the 14th. It was Jeff Stroke number 14, and this is part three to the Hawkman wanted crossover, and uh, it's it's actually again I really enjoyed it. Uh, Josh Williamson uh, did this issue, uh, you know who wrote Voodoo, so. The dialogue and everything is so much better than it was under Liefeld. <laughs> and um, it was fun. I mean, you had a nice fight between Deathstroke and Hawkman, and, and then Pike shows up at the very end, uh, obviously still helping the other faction that's against Hawkman. So um, it's a little confusing when I looked at the solicits. It seems that Hawk, the next Hawkman either takes place right after Green Arrow or before Green Arrow. I don't I don't know. It was very confusing. <laughs> so I'm just going to keep an eye out to where either the next Hawkman issue or for sure the next Deathstroke issue, because it shows them on the cover, is going to tie into this. So I'm sorry. That's, that's bad marketing on their part that it didn't clarify that. So just we'll be watching that for you to see where Pike shows up next to attack them. So it, It's okay. They're doing a lot of cleaning up from Rob. The Rob effect. <laughs> and to throw a crossover on top of that is just, it's almost epic fail. So, uh, and it's weird to me. I know that Legion Lost is going away, but I feel like it's been six months since the Culling crossover and we're already seeing Superboy and Ravagers and now Ravagers and Legion Lost. And it's all just kind of going around and around. And I'm like, wow, we're right back where we started. <laughs> Which oh, is okay. That, I'm okay yeah. with it. Uh, maybe that's their thing. They're trying to give us some sort of closure. I don't know. I mean, each of these titles that are getting canceled, even with the Grifter solicit, it looks like like he's going to get some sort of ending. You know, Voodoo had a ending of sorts. You know, so at least they have enough headway time to give them some sort of ending. Uh, so that's all we can ask for, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's cool to see that Josh Williamson's back. I just... Uh, I miss Sammy Bosry. Put him on uh, Wildcats or something. Yeah, I know. I don't know. He's gone from DC because he's nowhere in the solicits anywhere anymore. And we've already gone through three months of solicits with no him. So it's sad. Um, good news, though. Uh, Deathstroke is going to be taken over by Justin Jordan here soon. And Scott Clark's going to be the artist. I, I don't think I'll be picking it up just because it doesn't seem to have anything to deal with. I was trying to get Justin Jordan to answer a tweet to see if he would add Zelot in. Uh, he didn't answer, but Josh Williamson said that as far as he knew, or he didn't know what they were going to do with Zelot, but he, he was like, I hope they put her somewhere soon because she's a cool character. <laughs> so, um, anyway, some other upcoming releases we have on December the 5th, uh, Stormwatch number 15 and on December the 12th we have Grifter number 15 Ravagers number 7, Team 7 number 3 and Legion Lost number 15 which will feature the Ravagers and remember all these books are available digitally either through DC Comics website or Comicsology the day and date uh, every Wednesday so awesome, 
Uh, quick shout-outs, uh, be sure to check out Chris Stryker's Stormwatch site, which is uh, stormwatch.ws, and re- remember to visit the Higher Authorities message boards, Clark's Bar, to continue the Wildstorm integration discussion. Um, that's where we're at, so check it out. It's theauthority.ws. And be sure to check out our friends of the show, Image Addiction Podcast, as they cover new releases from Image Comics. Also check out only the Valiant Podcast, as they cover newly relaunched Valiant Comics, which current titles include Exo Man of War, Harbinger, Bloodshot, Archer, and Armstrong, and Shadow Man. And I do want to say that was an awesome interview that you had with Chiclo last uh, couple weeks ago. So thanks for doing that, Joe. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that was a lot of fun, and they've they've got their version of the the podcast out too, where they added that in. So cool. And if you ever want to contact us, Joe is twitter dot com slash grifter seventy eight. I'm yoyo master one four six. You can look me up at the Wildstorm Resource Wiki, wildstormresource.wetpaint.com. dot dot com. You can also see me at that same handle on the uh, Clark's Bar message boards. Um, you can direct uh, any questions to us at the show Wildstorm Addiction. It's twitter.com slash wildstormaddict email us at wildstormaddiction at gmail.com we also have a facebook and google plus page and we're also on stitcher so listen to us on your iphone android phone kindle fire any other device with stitcher find it in your app store or at stitcher.com so awesome month joe it was fun and i hope you guys all have a wonderful thanksgiving yeah one last thing before we go (laughs) hopefully by the time we record our next podcast i will have in my hands all five wildcats from the new uh hero clicks uh set that released no way yeah (laughs) i found them all on ebay uh for a total of less than a little less than 20 bucks for all of them wow so that's awesome yeah between two different sellers so yeah because my friend uh ended up not buying a a boxer like he used to he's pulled some of them he pulled uh grifter zealot and warblade so far but i was just like yeah i have to do it this way so yeah to, if you guys don't play hero clicks or you're just curious you know check them out they're really good representations of the characters and anything to support the wildcats <laughs> until we get a real title <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome i'm jealous man i'm gonna have to go on ebay soon so other than that, yes, everybody do have a Thanksgiving. He's lost a turkey. And by the time we come back, we'll be talking about Christmas. So. <laughs>